I feel that from what we discussed, at least for me, the biggest takeaways have been to push yourself out of your comfort zone. In leaning in that discomfort, you discover different things about yourself. You discover what you feel your choices were versus what your choices are now and how that can lead to a more fulfilled life, really. Be you too full. Welcome to The Beautiful Podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Leonardo. Join me as we explore presence and self-care and how it leads to an empowered life. So we have Polly Ting here. We've met, it's been a few years now, which has been fun. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. felt like we kind of met very serendipitously through a good friend of ours, Rahul. I mentioned to him that I was interested in, in stepping more into the self-development space. And he was like, I have a friend that, that I need to introduce <laughs> you to. We all went to lunch. Lunch turned into like hanging out for like eight hours or like yeah. something ridiculous like that. And then ever since then, we've just maintained really good communication or, or just a good, great relationship around living life. And so it's, it feels so great to have you on this podcast. And you were the one who actually pushed me to do this podcast and supplied me, helped me get all the equipment. I didn't have any excuses. I, I had to do it. You know, like I had this grand idea of like, I really want to do this podcast. And you're like, okay, great. So here's the list. What are your ideas? I gave you my ideas and you're like, great. So here's a list of things that you need to get. There's a girl that can help you with editing. Go. And I was like, Holy cow. <laughs> Shit just got real. So that gave you permission. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like... <laughs> no, I didn't have any more excuses to hide behind. And so I'm I'm really grateful to have met you and to still have you in my life and to see the podcast come from episode one that you and I did together to where we are now. And I've learned so much from all the people I've had on this on this podcast. I've learned so much about myself as well. That's beautiful. Well, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be back from home, but this is my new home. Mm. I was in New York for a few weeks. That was fun. It was good to be with family, but it's so crazy. It's like as soon as I land, like I immediately feel like this sense of peace, even though LAX is kind of a shit show. Yeah. I just, I felt so good as soon as I, I got here. Yeah. So it feels good to be back. For yeah, sure. that's, that's awesome. How have you been? I've been... You're back, too. Yeah, I'm back from Australia for, for a little bit. Uh, we're back, going back to Australia on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting, you know. I, I uh, It's kind of like living in two different worlds. You know, it's like having, it's like, having like a double life. Mm-hmm. You know, having a, like, considering America home, but also considering Australia home, literally having two sets of things. Like, <laughs> from, like, saucepans. To friends, uh-huh. to like home, <laughs> it's a you know, it's very disorienting. Yeah, um, and sometimes sure. it's that feeling of like, you know, you, you speak English and Spanish, and so like, which one are you? Sometimes you know, what I yeah, mean? And you get this kind of overlap, and sometimes it works, and Spanglish. other times <laughs> it just like doesn't work for sure. Um, and it feels weird. So yeah, I think like this trip around has definitely felt um, weird. You know, like coexisting in these two different places, and mm-hmm. you know, I kind of like it. It's like when you go on holiday and you can drive like an idiot yeah. because you're on holiday. Nothing happens to you when you're on holiday. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's that feeling Sweet of thing. like that dissonance um, mm-hmm. between things. But otherwise, yeah, I'm good. Does one feel like home more than the other? It depends. Hey, like I, I find it swings that you know sometimes the US definitely feels like home, mm-hmm. and then I go home to Australia, and then I'm like, no, no, Australia is definitely home. <laughs> and so it's it's really disorienting. And I think for most people, they 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 you know, they're born and raised or they live in one place and they commit to that place, that one person, that one job, that one thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's very kind of 
easy in mm. a way because that's all you that's what your life is yeah but when you sort of choose to you know sort of i suppose um create different streams yeah. you know of things and suddenly like it can be really exhilarating because yeah. you get to experience all these different things and at the same time you know it's sometimes a little just confusing and it's like you growing up living in New York and then also now living in California. Yeah. And you kind of consider both places, like they've both got a homely feel to it. For sure. But a different part of you. Yeah. Time. Yeah. And I feel like that really is, is one of the things that's speaking to me right now, how I do have friends in different areas. Mm. And this, this last trip when I went home, I literally didn't tell anybody, any of my friends that I was going home because my focus was to take care of my mom and ho- help her out. Um, post-operatively but it was really interesting because it's like I was kind of thinking like is New York home to me anymore Um, outside of my family Mm. you know outside of the home that I grew up in and then I went to yoga in the city in in Manhattan and then immediately I was like oh yeah this is home yoga's home yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yoga doesn't matter where you physically are as long as as you're in like downward dog then you're good yeah yeah Yeah. oh my god and then like we went to this studio that had live projection. So okay. they have live projectors on all four walls the entire time you're flowing. And I was like, this is so New York, like just like <laughs> some over the top shit, like, yep. you know, like next level stuff. And then it was really interesting too. Cause everyone's like in their, in the yoga clothes in New York city, it's like black, gray, mm. all these like really dark kind of mute colors. And then you are bright turquoise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, is this home? You know, it's like, I was like going back and forth. Whereas, here in LA, depending on the studio, might be like Lululemon yoga where everyone's like dressed to the nines and has like makeup on for yoga. Yeah, right. Or they are just like really just hippie and just like chill and yeah. they're just there for the practice. So it was funny because I find ways that I fit in with the New York yoga scene and then I find ways that I definitely fit in with the LA yoga scene. But you're right. It's like you're a part of two different worlds. I, I don't know. I kind of like that. I kind of like that. I don't one place isn't my everything, mm. at least for right now in my life. Why it do you feels think that is? good. <sighs> is it like a fear of commitment? Could be, mm. yeah. Because I feel like I've been single for a few months now, and that's something that keeps coming up for me. I'm like, do I want a relationship? And I'm like, no, I don't. And I'm like, yeah, I do. That'd be nice. And I'm like, no, I don't. And I don't know. It, it could be a fear of commitment. I know, mm. actually, now that we're talking about this, I'm realizing that I don't want to lose myself. So that's one of my hesitations about being in a relationship right now. And when I'm in New York, I don't want to lose myself. I don't want to become too hard (laughs) and too abrasive towards life. And then when I'm in L.A., it's so easy to become, from what I've noticed anyway, it's so easy to become like really transient and just Mm -hmm. kind of like go with the flow. Nothing matters. Just like there's no structure. Mm. And then I also wonder, it's like, is it me just being a Gemini where it's like just a little bit of both? Maybe. Yeah, I think it's interesting, like the paradox of choice in the work that, you know, we've talked about at length over the years. It's amazing when people sort of talk about choice, but they're really sort of relating to it as a decision. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is choice has sort of like no constraint. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. But decisions are kind of like the process of elimination. So when people talk about choice, they're actually relating to it as like this or that. Mm-hmm. Or like out of these 10 things, which one would you choose? choose. But you're not. It's like you're deciding because in your mind, the only things available are those 10 things. Exactly. Right. So I think it's interesting that like in when it's dating or whether you live or what you do for a living or whatever it might be, it's like it's a process of elimination as opposed to a process of creation. Mm-hmm. 
And so you're not really thinking about like what you want to create. You're thinking about what's sort of like the best of the pick of the bunch. Mm-hmm. You know, and I guess that'll be the best thing, that'll hurt, the thing that'll hurt the least. And so I think in that is like you choose the thing that you think will, you know, you'll survive the best or you'll do the best or you won't lose yourself in mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the thing that that's what you actually want, even though there is a chance you might lose yourself. Yeah. You know? So I think it's interesting that, you know, when I look at my space, it's, their worlds are so different. People say, you know, do you like Australia or the USA better? I'm like, well, I don't know. They're different. Like they give me different kind of experiences and they give me different feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't say one is better than the other. Yeah. Um, but th- what I've observed in this paradox of choice, you know, is, is you sort of go along the way, you sort of, you think you have a choice, but you're really making a decision. Then you kind of get present to that, like your relationship to choice. So for instance, like I've got, you know, people in my family, my friends who would tell you until they're blue in the face that they don't actually have a choice. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay. You know, and you know, you don't want to sort of sound like obnoxious, but you're kind of like, well, that's the choice you're making, right? Exactly. It's a choice that you have no choice. Mm-hmm. Those who sort of then get present to the fact that they kind of do have a choice, you know, but maybe they're just choosing something out of fear or out of habit or out of dogma or out of just the way it's always been, mm-hmm. you know, it can then be really hard to choose something else mm-hmm. because of the fear of them losing something. But then when you sort of move through that paradox of choice and you come to the other side and you realize that you can actually choose anything. And it's that notion that like, you can have whatever you want, you just can't necessarily have it all at once. Then you get this other sort of paradox of choice, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, you can have anything. And then people are like, and it's almost paralyzing. For sure. Because at some point you realize that like right now, as I sit here in LA on a, what is that, a Thursday, Friday? Today's Thursday, yes. Um, you know, I can't be also in Australia right now having coffee with Simon. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I have to choose one of the two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and can I not be disempowered by the choices that I'm making? And I think that's what's really interesting about it is that we're always sort of been sold into this world that you can have it all and you can mm-hmm. have it all at once and you can have everything. And so like, why can't I be here right now and right there? And we should invert teleportation and blah, 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 blah. But the nature of the beast is that like, well, yeah, you can have whatever you want, but you know, can, can you, can you be doing this and that at the same time? Probably not. Yeah. You know, and can you be okay with that choice? You know, or are you sort of angry and frustrated about it? Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like talking about this reminds me of something that you've mentioned so much about of it being a conversation of this or that mm. but a conversation of and mm. right so New York and California right. not or and that I feel like living out here that comes up that's come up quite a bit of which one's better which one do you like more and and I've always just kind of responded to that that they both feel good to me Yeah I think it's you know I think in my my judgment, I think that that's people are chasing certainty, mm-hmm. you know, and you you can find certainty through like the process of elimination and, and sort of setting things in concrete and sort of committing to them. And and when we talk about like a commitment phobia, like it's almost kind of got a connotation that that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like oh, you've got a commitment problem. Like why is that bad? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I mean, there might be an impact to that, which means you never finally choose an ice cream, and so you just the store closes and you're standing in the front <laughs> still trying to choose ice cream. So, you know, it doesn't mean it's free from impact, but it doesn't mean it's bad, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that, you know, when I look at my life, you know, there's just, it's, there's different friends for different moments and different experiences and different things and different foods for different times of day. Like mm-hmm. I love stir fry and I don't want to eat it for breakfast. You know? <laughs> and so this sort of notion that like, it has to be a certain way, mm-hmm. um, I think is where people get stuck on. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, because then the judgment comes in, whether it's right or wrong, because it's whether it matches your idea of how it should or shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I think the greatest challenge is, is like, yeah, can you, you know, in the world of open relationships and in the world of having multiple countries that you live in, multiple friends and, you know, being multifaceted, mm-hmm. you know, like, can you sort of be happy and empowered and all those different things and, and, and manage that, you know, or are you, um, you know, constantly trying to, how to say, um, make it work and at the same time kind of resenting it, mm. you know, so resenting your New York friends for not being more like your California friends, <laughs> you know, and okay. resenting your, your California friends for not being more like, you know, and, and sort of always operating from that space. of. And I think that's what people, when people ask me about New York, uh, America versus Australia, mm-hmm. like that's, they're comparing it from that base, you know, and the notion of saying, but it's different, mm-hmm. like is not satisfying. Like, it's like, no, 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 but how do you make them the same? And you're like, but that's, I'm choosing them because they're not the same. Exactly. You know, because they are different. Yeah. And, I, and I'm okay with them being different. Yeah. 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 And, and I think it's, I think it's like what you said, like you have your friends for different things. Yeah. And I feel like you find those unicorn friends that you can do everything with. And you're like, oh my God, this yeah. is mind blowing that like, I can share all of you with, I can share all of myself with you, not just this one part of me. Yeah. And I, th- I think... You know, I think that's one of the great opportunities of travel, mm-hmm. you know, is that you, that, you, that you go and find yourself in ways in others and in other experiences. And you find parts of yourself that were probably always there, but you never would have discovered in that context. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, you know, people might talk about, you know, living a life of adversity and they live a life of a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that's a certain kind of adversity with a certain kind of identity attached to that adversity. Mm-hmm. But then there's adversity in other things, in other ways. And you could judge someone else's life compared to your own and say that, oh, that person's not very good with change, for instance. But then, yeah, they might not be good with change in the context in which you experience change, you know. But then when you sort of start appreciating the way that they live their life, that's when people travel and they're like, I had no idea that people lived like this or this Mm -hmm. is what they had to do each day to blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Suddenly you're like, well, it's just a different form of adversity. Um, and so then you might f- discover parts of yourself, which is maybe even the gratitude for like, wow, I, I actually had it kind of easy, mm-hmm. know, but at home it feels adverse. But now when I look at this it like this, true, yeah. like, holy shit, like, mm-hmm. like I'm grateful that I never had to, you know, walk 60 miles to get water for every sure. day or, you know, and yeah. suddenly boom. Mm-hmm. So I think that the travel is like a really important part of helping that. But, you know, that's the paradox of travel is you've got to be willing to be uncomfortable. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to be willing to deal with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I think travel just really broadens your awareness around what life is. Like, I remember being in New York and thinking, you know, there's like a subway system everywhere and there's a bodega in every corner of the street. And then like moving to other parts where it's more like suburban or just anywhere that's not New York City. It's like, yeah, getting around isn't as easy. Mm-hmm. And now when I go back to New York, I don't complain about public transit as I did before because I realize. Everywhere else, it doesn't run every five minutes. Oh, you know, I thought five yeah. minutes took forever. <laughs> try, being, try being Australian in Australia and hearing people complain about the healthcare system after living in America. Yeah. I'm like, cool, go be sick in America. Yeah. And, and then see whether you're complaining because the doctor took 15 minutes longer than you. It's like, yeah. it's that perspective. But I think what's important about that, you know, about the travel, about opening yourself to different experiences, doing things you wouldn't normally do, stepping out of your comfort zone, is that you you don't just discover that other part of yourself, but you, you really do enter a realm of choice. If I asked you, and you'd never left New York, mm-hmm. and I asked you how trains work, you would just tell me what you know 
about how trains work. That's right. Which would be the New York subway, mm-hmm. right? And you would believe that it would, it's that's how they are, and there's good things and bad things, but what do you do, mm-hmm. right? And yet, if you then traveled the world and you went to all the different railway systems from India to Switzerland to mm-hmm. Germany, Japan, you know, even different parts of the United States, you know, and suddenly then you start to experience different ways of doing transit systems, it still doesn't mean that you wouldn't still enjoy this New York subway because it's familiar, but now you could choose it. Mm-hmm. Like choose it consciously. Exactly. As opposed to unconsciously because that's all you know. Mm-hmm. So suddenly now when you're able to look at it and go, well, that's how the Germans do it, that's how the Japanese do it. Now when you say, and I choose this, you know, that's why people go on dates. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't just fall in love and marry the first person that you meet. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, and it's totally legitimate. But the reason why people like exploring is because they're like, well, now I'm consciously choosing out of all the things that I've experienced, like this is the one that I want. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, well, this is, you'll do, it's convenient, you're around the corner. You yeah, know, right. And like it's what I'm used to and I don't have to go far from home to get it. And, mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's where people get frustrated is that sometimes, particularly with the internet, you know, you can have not really opened yourself to those new experiences, but you can sit there in your armchair and you can now look at other people's lives through the screen yeah. and judge it, compare mm-hmm. it, you know, get angry about it. Yeah, have an academic understanding of totally. what's life look like on that. Yeah, on and that particularly side. with even like you know everything from Google Maps to YouTube to whatever, like to have watched a video, for instance, about German trains, for mm-hmm. you to think now that you understand how German trains work. Yeah, and you go, well, it's not until you go there and you experience them. Yeah, you know, like until you've been pushed into a train in Japan or you've experienced like the the efficiency of a German train or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, suddenly now, like you you think differently about you know transport. Mm-hmm. as an example and so I think that when you're thinking different about life about the experience you have or the relationships you have whether you're single or you're not having been single having been in a relationship having been in different kinds of relationships now you sort of got more to actually choose from exactly um, yeah and I think it gives a positive spin uh, to dating I feel that as I'm you know getting further into my 30s a lot of that comes up of oh you know you're so awesome and you're this and you're that and you're, you're still single you know that that always comes up in, in conversation and I've, I feel that I'm still choosing what I want and I'm still kind of unfolding what it is that I want in a partner. And I feel like dating other people has made me realize like, I like this, I don't like that. Really instill boundaries for myself about what I'll deal with or, or what I'll work through versus other things that I'm just kind of like, yep, no, not happening. So there, there is a learning, and I, and I like that that perspective of it. That's like you have once you've experienced all these different relationships, then you have the choice because then you're you're realizing what's what's truer to you. I think to be rigorous on that, like I still think you can decide from that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can still go and date six different types of people, and then still consider it as that's all you have to choose from, mm. right? As because it's still a decision, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, well, out of the six that guy smelt the least, the best or whatever or <laughs> had the best manners, so I'll choose that. And that still is different from choosing, mm-hmm. you know, because choosing can also mean you can go date a woman, you know, mm-hmm. but to a lot of people, they go, no, 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 that, that's your selection. It's like, no, no, gotcha. no, I, I choose to go yeah. marry my car, mm-hmm. you know, or to whatever. And I think that, you know, it's funny when you talk about relationships in particular, you know, there's a paradigm of like love and fear and how many people will choose to be with someone because they don't want to be alone. Mm-hmm. 
which is not the same as wanting to be with someone because they want to be with someone for mm-hmm. companionship or whatever. It's a, it's operating from a space of fear. Mm-hmm. So like, when you look at the true paradox of choice, like the paradigm of choice, like it's it's always operating from a love paradigm, mm-hmm. you know, which is sort of abundance, like not attached to stuff and, and saying, well, this is what I choose because that's what I want to choose. And that's however it looks is I'm okay with. You know, I think the minute there's sort of this idea of now it needs to look a certain way, it needs to happen a certain thing for in, order, in order to, in order to, like you're always going to be the effect of that external condition. Mm-hmm. You're always going to be the effect of that person or their judgment or their what they do or don't do and blah, 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 blah. And when you think about it, like you're still in a process of elimination because you're still comparing. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, you, and so the actual paradigm of choice, which... You know, I just think very few people, I think a lot of people use that word and don't really understand what it means. Mm-hmm. I think so yeah. too. And I think it changes, your choice changes when you expand your awareness around yeah. it, right? Because like you said, you can have, for me, like my choice would be to date men, but if I've never dated women, how do I not know? Yeah. You know, if my awareness has only been focused on, on dating men. Yeah, I think the, the awareness piece is always most powerful when it's experienced. Mm-hmm. Know, not just for sure yeah you know i think a lot of people try to have never experienced something and try to understand it by purely objectively look or subjectively looking at it mm-hmm. or hearing discussing it about it at the pub <laughs> and like therefore i know and yeah and i think that aw- the true awareness you know and i think there's even opportunity to be rigorous with awareness and that there's what most people call self-awareness which is i know when i'm tired and hungry and i know what other people think of me mm-hmm but that's not really self-awareness. Like that's an awareness of, of self is mm-hmm. the sense of, you know, I'm aware that I am different from you and here's how I differ. And I've got this sort of yeah, okay, basic I get that now. understanding. Yeah. But the true self-awareness is like being so present and observant when you are afraid or you are tired or scared. And then how that impacts the way you believe and value and see things and behave and feel and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff you know that true self-awareness is like wow i just feel threatened right now so that's causing me to be aggressive mm-hmm. i'm choosing to be aggressive because aggressive is as a pathway helps me feel safer because then people leave me alone or whatever it might be like that true self-awareness is being able to then not only identify and observe that and have be aware of that but then to choose from that you know because even then that process of elimination really is like well does this work Mm-hmm. So the decision is to be this way or not be this way. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if you have a context of being angry, like I was earlier in traffic, <laughs> um, to decide that context means to be angry or not be angry, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, well, don't be angry as opposed to be angry. And that's how most people bounce in. Well, you're choosing to be angry. Well, fuck you. I'm choosing not to be. But the choice distinction is not I choose to be something else. I choose to be excited. Mm-hmm. And it's completely left of center. It doesn't belong in almost in the paradigm of anger in that exactly. moment. But to consciously choose excitement while experiencing anger, mm-hmm. well, that's a different practice. Mm-hmm. That's a different awareness. That's right. You know, because you can't, there's that, you know, Lorna says that one of the beautiful quotes, you know, you can't change what you don't tell the whole truth about. Mm-hmm. So if you're sitting there the whole time in denial of yourself and justifying your behavior and beliefs in externality, well, you made me angry and the people on the road are dickheads and, you know, and we'll do it. Mm-hmm. But it's in that moment, like when I'm frustrated in traffic, like, yeah, I'm self-aware as a human being in general but in that moment you know my self-awareness is not i'm not practicing it Mm -hmm. and so what's available to me as i perceive is not really a choice Mm -hmm. it's a decision between (laughs) sort of like (laughs) be angry or not be angry yeah uh, as opposed to choosing you know something else that's an interesting way to look at it yeah 
That's really, that's really cool. Cho- choosing, you know, the way I've sort of, I guess I've learned it is it's free from any consideration and a consideration being some sort of assessment or a filter or a condition like, well, in order to, I have to, no, 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 mm-hmm. you just choose it. Yeah. But when you say that to people, just choose to be happy. Ooh, it's so foreign. Like it's so challenging to people, mm-hmm. but that's because there's no muscle around it. Mm-hmm. Like, and to actually build muscle around that, you have to practice that like anything in life. Right. For sure. And to practice that, well, you need to be willing to be aware of the true self mm-hmm. and not just what other people think of you. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's, the beauty of living in discomfort and trying on new experiences and, and get and releasing yourself from your comfort zones, whether that's where you live, if you're working in a different field, trying all those different things, you a- attain this awareness around life and then you decide you can choose. Like I feel that growing up in the Bronx, like there was always this stereotype of most Hispanics don't go to college Mm. and they get knocked up in their early 20s and things like that. And that was, I feel that a lot of that comes from that's what everyone around them does. So that's their awareness. It it just exists within their neighborhood. Mm. But for me, I realized like coming to California and just living this really expansive life in comparison to what I lived when I was back home, it's given me this awareness of like, wow, the sky's a limit and I can do whatever I want and I can live wherever I want and I can I can have a life that really feels fulfilled. So that's not just my nine to five punch in, punch out that I can, I can teach yoga, I can have a podcast, I can do all these different things yeah. because they make my heart smile. But I realized that my awareness was so was was a bit more limited when I was back home because no one else was doing any of these things. I think the challenging thing we're very we're in a fortunate very small group of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, for a lot of people, no, they they don't they don't experience choice. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they don't have one. They don't experience that they have one. Right. So in that moment, and this could be anything from dire poverty to domestic violence to abuse you know, to incarceration, to all these different kinds of things. You know, it's, it's important to be rigorous that sometimes you, you could be the freest person in the world being in a cage, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, <laughs> it's in your head. Yeah. Right? And there are people out there in the world who you perceive to be free who are in cages. Mm-hmm. So this idea that you have a choice is, is there is the realm of having a choice and then there's the realm of perceiving or the experience of having a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've all been in a store before where you go to a cake store or I don't know, whatever, a shop. I like cakes. Um, and you have money and you have plenty of money or enough money at least to buy the cake in the store or not Mm -hmm. but if you go into that store and you don't have enough money suddenly now it's a a completely different experience of not having enough money Mm -hmm. and not being able to afford the cake so for a lot of people they perceive that that life is that they don't well it's all very easy for you to sit here in Hollywood and LA and say this sort of stuff and yes I'm very aware of our privilege and every human being has a choice Mm -hmm. whether that challenges you or you disagree with it well that's part of the choice you know because whatever you believe is you're absolutely right and if you believe you have no choice then why would you take any actions or steps towards choosing something else Mm -hmm. because you don't believe there is a choice so okay Mm -hmm. and you're absolutely right you know and there are plenty of rags to riches stories and there's plenty of people who are born with silver spoons in their mouth that do nothing Mm -hmm. so it's not even necessarily being successful and happy in life is met by some sort of predetermined condition you know, however, I will say that when you see people who are in very dire circumstances or very, you know, uh, limited circumstances, maybe growing up, no, they won't have the perception of choice because the community around them and the conversation around them doesn't even bring it up. Mm-hmm. You know, and people will tell you this is your 
culture, this is your tradition, this is what we've always done. Like people will indoctrinate them mm-hmm. with the belief that they have no choice. And then their belief of not having a choice will be taught. For sure. And they still have a choice. Mm-hmm. But the fact they don't have the awareness of the choice is the opportunity. You know, and I think that it's very easy to sort of look at people in the world and go, oh, you have a choice and, and whatever like that. And sort of overlook the fact that that's not their experience of life. For sure. And so I think that the opportunity here is to not invalidate someone's experience of not having a choice, mm-hmm. but it's to sort of softly open that door to go, I, I know that that's not what you believe. I know that's not what you experience and you have a choice. If that's something that you're willing to consider, then maybe you will take some chances. Mm-hmm. Maybe you will jump on a plane by yourself, come to a different state across the country and just somehow want to believe in yourself and go, I don't know what will happen, but I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Or you'll stay in the Bronx and you'll get knocked up and you'll yeah. move a couple of doors up from your mum and and neither one's wrong. Mm-hmm. But, you know, why are there those people in society who are willing to take that chance? Exactly. And at some point, they're willing to entertain the concept that they might have a choice. Yeah. And that's all it is. You know, but people go sort of get tangled up in that, I don't have a choice. And it's... It's like you meet someone who's go to Jericho and like, I'm not flexible mm-hmm. or I'll never be skinny or I'll never be happy. Like in my life, I've just stopped arguing with them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, cool. Okay. <laughs> like if that's what you believe, then every action and inaction that you do or don't do in your life will be consistent with that. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I don't think any one single person's job in life to try to change someone's mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not my job to, to, to tell to say to people like no 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 you you have a ch-. like I've been that way and it doesn't mean that it doesn't work and people aren't moved by that mm-hmm. but there's also many people who resist that and I think at the end of the day like choice really is a paradigm and the whole point of the abundance of choice you know is something you really just have to discover mm-hmm. but you have to be willing to go on that journey um, do you do you feel that having that awareness around choice is that innate or a learned behavior awareness around choice i think that i think it becomes learned but i don't i don't necessarily know that it 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 was that way in the first place okay you know when you look at toddlers and children like they just they are the pure essence of a human being Mm -hmm. like they don't they're not really considering your wants and needs and desires they just do what they want they talk to you when they want to talk to you and they demand food when they like they don't live in the world yet of all the social constructs of rules and norms and gender norms and racial norms and sexuality beliefs and who you who's right and wrong and good and bad like they don't have mm-hmm. that yet so they're just being mm-hmm. you know like a dog you know it's just a joke that you know you go to some fancy t- dress tie party and everybody's you know behaving correctly mm-hmm. you know and then in the middle of your dinner party your dog walks in and starts licking its balls right <laughs> and nobody would silly say anything everyone would probably laugh because well that's what dogs do mm-hmm. but here we are as human beings like at 3 p.m earlier we're all hot and sweaty from hiking but now at 7 p.m we're all prim and proper and we talk and behave differently because that's what you do when you wear these clothes like there's so many fucking rules mm-hmm. that babies and animals don't really have Exactly. So I think that choice in its pure form, there might not be like conscious awareness of choice, but there's probably the experience of choice. But when you look at it as you get older, like, no, no, we actually program ourselves away from having that, you know, and to doubt ourselves that we have a choice. And then we start teaching about, well, Tiff, you know, this is where your great, 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 great grandma did it. And so you have to do it too. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I know you want to have a choice, but you don't. You know, and then because that comes from a source of someone you love and trust and you look up to, you believe them. Yeah. 
For sure. And not only then do you believe them and act consistently with what your beliefs are, you then indoctrinate other people with them. Mm-hmm. And so the, the torch gets passed on and away we go. For sure. So I think that, you know, the, the, the choice part, it's, you know, that's why I admire those who, who are able to break free of some convention, you know, and whether that's, the, you know, the way the whole society or the whole community or the whole race or gender or whatever has done things. And at some point they wake up and be like, totally cool, you should totally do that. And that's not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why we admire those people. Like, think about why we admire people in society that live like that. I think we're all attracted to choice. For sure. From the pure sense of love of like, fuck, I wish I had the courage mm-hmm. to just live like that. But I better get back because look at the time. <laughs> and I think, that's, I think that's why I believe that it is taught because I think Every human being I speak to mm-hmm. and I've ever spoken to, when you start really talking, get to the source of choice at an emotional level as what do you want as an experience of life, people get it. It's just the ego and the identity and the bullshit and the conventions and the programming that quickly steps in to shut that down. For sure. Um, because in that moment, should they realize at the age of 50 that they had a choice all along, mm-hmm. well, fuck, what did I just do for 50 years? Yeah. And that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess also knowing, too, that even at 50, they can choose. Oh, for sure. Right, yeah. Yeah, but we're also past-based creatures, right? So we look back at the 50 years we've wasted and then re- That's re- true. regret it for the next... Yeah. Years. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Being to be human. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel that... I feel that from what we discussed, at least for me, the biggest takeaways have been to push yourself out of your comfort zone and to... In leaning in that discomfort, you discover th- different things about yourself. You discover what you feel your choices were versus what your choices are now and how that can lead to a more fulfilled life, really. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think that I think the comfort zone is an illusion. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's we're, we're sold guarantees, warranties, assurances, all that sort of stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, it makes our worlds very small. You know, and I think that when you are willing to expand that, willing to sort of take a risk, you really start to enter the realm of choice, as in you become aware that you have a choice. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't mean you, you choose consciously. Still doesn't mean you choose from love. Still doesn't mean that you choose the things you actually want. I mean, plenty of people tell you what they don't want. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> That's for sure. you know, they can't tell you what they actually want. Um, and so I think that it's just a practice, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that becoming aware, telling the truth, being willing to step out of your comfort zone, you know, be willing to sort of, I suppose, suspend the identity. You know, like you first got me into yoga. Like there was a lot of identity I had to overcome there. Like, as in, I don't mm-hmm. do that, blah, blah, blah. And then once you do, then you discover parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, they were already there, you know, but through these other experiences. And I think it's just for people who like, you know, intellectualize choice, you know, it's not like a you wake up and go, cool, I'm going to make this choice. And now you're operating in that realm. Mm-hmm. It's like anything, whether it's yoga stretches to working at the gym to diets, like it's a practice. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, and just every day, just be in the practice of inspecting your life and your your relationship to things. Yeah. And am I choosing this from love or fear? And does it make me happy? And this is what I want. And, you know, what else could I try and what else? could I experience and like mm-hmm. just open yourself to those things. And I think in time choice then just starts to occur. Yeah, you know? I agree. I feel like it's now that, now that you're saying that I'm thinking of constantly being an in inquiry yeah. of, of, of life questioning different things. For anyone out there who studies, anyone out there who's at the, you know, at the gym or in their relationship, you know, like 
if you could get a degree, if you could become a doctor in 15 minutes, they'd, they'd do that. Mm-hmm. You know, but why does it take freaking eight years or whatever long it takes, right? It's because, you, yes, you did this class and this stuff, and the next week when you come to the lecture, we'll sort of say it all over again. And, like, why do you go to the gym and do the same workout, like, every day? You know, because the way that we're built is, is to incrementally evolve, mm-hmm. you know, by being in a constant inquiry. You know, if you could just get the download in 15 minutes, <laughs> like the Matrix, you know, you just plug in and then that's what we'd have, you know. And so I think, yeah, it's just being being willing to be an inquiry. And as you know, like being in any practice, like going to yoga or whatever, there are some days you're just not feeling it. And there's sure. some days it just doesn't work. Yeah. And some days you're over it. and That's part of the practice. And part of it also then is showing up the next day and doing it again. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Polly. It was so great having you. And if you want to follow me throughout my LA adventures, check me out at Curl Crush Yoga on Instagram. This podcast is brought to you by Bold and Resolute. Visit us at boldandresolute.com to see what we're up to. Be bold enough to tell the truth of what you want in life and resolute to see it through regardless of circumstances.